Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' three-game series against the Houston Astros. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins have a dismal three-game set in Houston against the Astros. They get absolutely destroyed. Dan, there is very little positive to come away with from this series. I didn't feel like they got destroyed. I feel like, I mean, they only lost by a total of seven runs. That's, That's what's so weird. Every single one of these games, though, Dan, was further out of reach than the scoreboard makes it seem. Well, I know. But again, you look at the scores and you think, oh, they kind of played them close. But they, I think they led for, what, a half of an inning in the whole series? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And, like, really, if your best hope at making a comeback, Dan, to make the close score seem actually, like, feasible to overcome is with Jake Cave at the plate, that's not a good look, Dan. No, no, it's not. But here's the thing. So, David, I've been thinking, I've been getting amped up for the Rings of Power Lord of the Rings series that's coming out in about a week. And this quote came to me. So there's a moment in the Lord of the Rings where Frodo says to Sam, I can't do this, right? And I'm thinking, David, as a Twins fan, I'm not sure I can do this anymore. But Sam's answer, I think, is great. He says, I know it's all wrong by rights. We shouldn't even be here, but we are. It's like in all the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could the end be happy? And that's what I'm wondering, David. Can the end be happy here for the Minnesota Twins? Can they win this division and go to the playoffs? You know, it is fun, I bet, for the listeners to sort of see these moments in our lives that we keep hidden typically on the podcast. Dan being an English teacher, obviously we talk about, but Dan's love of of Lord of the Rings. This is probably the first time you've expressed that on the podcast. Dan. I I almost teared up just even saying that quote, David. Like that's really hard for me to get through. Ah, but we are holding on to that. There's some good in this world, David. There's some good left in this team, and it's worth cheering for, David. It's worth cheering for. I think they've got a chance, right? They have to have a chance. I will say, Dan, that I always say. I compliment your voice because I hate the way that my voice sounds and I always think you sound so professional on the podcast. However, in this instance, Dan, that quote when being done by Sean Astin, Dan, is just maybe a little bit better. Are you are you literally tearing well, up? Well, I was just, there, just a little bit. I just, <laughs> just wiping from the corners of my Dan's eyes. Dan's over there wiping it's, his eyes. It's a little bit warm here, David. We Anyway... <laughs> Tell me about your day. You went to the state fair today. I did. Yeah, it's tradition for my father and I to uh, go to the state fair on opening day. And I made it a mission, Dan, that if I saw anybody in a twins hat and a twins shirt, they were going to hear about this podcast because we we are trying to grow our listener base through any means necessary. So if any of the people who I gave a sticker to actually did decide to tune into the podcast, please reach out via Twitter. And also my apologies, because I'm sure that was a little bit awkward. Some random guy approaching you, handing you a sticker. About a podcast, but I do hope uh, that you tune in, and I do hope you enjoy the product. But um, everybody was very gracious. I didn't have anybody like just throw the sticker in my face. They were like, "Oh, cool! I'll check it out." And like, 
I don't know. They probably did throw it in their nearest trash receptacle, but you never know, Dan. Maybe we picked up a couple of listeners today. Maybe they put it on the nearest trash receptacle. That would have been nicer, right? At least then the QR code so, is there and people could have seen it. Anyway, back to the baseball. Again, folks, I hate doing this because I feel like when we start, it's like we always just procrastinate when the series go as poorly as this one did. But the Twins continue to fall. They now are tied with the White Sox at four games back of the Cleveland Guardians. Now, I think even if they do win eight straight against Cleveland in September. At this rate, Dan, that's not going to be enough for the Twins to take the first place back in the division. Not when they have to play. And I know the Houston Astros are arguably the best team in the major leagues right now, but they do have to play the Giants, the Red Sox, then they play the White Sox, the Yankees, and then the Guardians. I mean, these are these are the five series really right here that I think we've talked about this. We talked about this last series. I think even still, even after this debacle of a series, if they can somehow be within what, three games of the Guardians there, again, at least it's meaningful baseball there in September. And I guess at this point with this lineup as decimated as it is, did you look at our, the, the injured list right now for the Twins? It's pretty impressive the talent that's sitting on the injured list right now, David. I saw a tweet that like somebody put, the Twins injured roster is actually better than the Twins active roster currently. Absolutely. Because Buxton's on the 10-day injured list with a hip injury. Uh, it looks like, though, they're going to get some help. Garlic is supposed to come back for this next series. Larnock should be near. Jeffers maybe in a few weeks. Um, even Josh Winder started down at the uh, in the Fort Myers Gulf Coast League, David. So there's some bodies coming. Bailey Ober might even pitch. Maybe even Maeda. It just might be a little too late, I think, at that point. But at we'll this see. point, yeah. I mean, had, had those guys come back like this week, it's a little bit of a different story. But yeah, hopefully it's not too late. Hopefully there's still some meaningful baseball left in the season when they return. All right, well, let's go to the series recap. Uh, we're probably going to burn through this part pretty fast. Series recap. Yeah, game one is the only one that I think there's going to be a couple of talking points. Uh, but So anyway, Twins lose this one 4-2. to two. It got a little interesting at the end of the game. Uh, Twins put up two in the top of the ninth, and then the Astros were able to close it down and keep it at a 4-2 victory for themselves. I don't know, Dan. This was interesting because we do at least have to mention this. So Aaron Sanchez is making the start. And granted, no matter who you put on the mound against Verlander right now, it's not like that's like a good matchup, right? Like There's nobody sure, the Twins right. have. Even Sonny Gray or Joe Ryan, this still is a lopsided matchup. But Aaron Sanchez goes four innings pitched, only gives up two earned runs, one walk, four strikeouts, and then he probably would have pitched further, but, but there was a little bit of confusion. We'll talk more about that in Rocco's Rewind, but just know Sanchez came out of the game earlier than Rocco wanted him to, which I know that sounds funny, but that that is what happened. And here's the thing, too. Verlander was on a no-hitting binge, which, as far as no-hitters go, David, this was about as close to perfect as you can get. He pitched six innings. Uh, he did with the win improved to 16-3, and three, which I think is nuts, but he was perfect perfect through that except for Nick Gordon's very savvy swing at a third strike which I love that I wish players did that more often when the pitch was so far outside and it's going to be strike three just go for it I do wonder though I mean their reaction speeds have to be so great that's like superhuman to like know a pitch is going to be bad enough that it's going to get by the catcher to swing and run well especially when Verlander's on the mound you don't expect him him to miss very much but then you know then Astros pull him and then the twins get a hit in the next inning I think it was even Correa that broke it up so luckily we're not talking about a meaningless no hitter here the twins do make a run in the top of the ninth like I said they scored two runs and then there's an opportunity Dan there's two outs but Jake Cave comes to the plate And you might be thinking to yourself, if you're a Twins fan, really? Jake Cave, he's our best option at that point? So Dan and I were discussing this prior to going live, and we were looking, we're like, well, who who were our options? And you would have had Tim Beckham, Sandy Leone, or Caleb Hamilton. 
And I got to be honest, at that point, Jake Cave is just as good an option as any of those guys. Even Jake Cave with three strikeouts to that point? Like, I don't know. Why, why not give Sandy Leon? Why not let, let it be up to Hamilton at that point? Just give him a chance with the bases loaded to be the hero. Like, it was too bad because that would have been a pretty dang exciting finish to a, a pretty complicated game to that point. It just shows how much this team has been impacted by the by the injuries. Well, let's go to game two. The Twins lose this one as well, 5-3. to three. Again, a closer game in the, in the final box score than it looked really as we were watching it because Houston gets they have a five to one lead in the sixth inning the twins again try to tack on and score some runs in the ninth and again they're in position to make a comeback there they tried their best Dan and like this is the game that I thought okay well after game one I just thought it didn't even matter how many runs they scored in game two and like I had even tweeted like okay this is just a little bit silly everybody knows that this game was over before it began and then the twins started scoring runs Dan they did and they actually had runners at first and second nobody out but then Kepler hits into a double play and then Sanchez grounds out and and that was really the end of it but it spoiled kind of a a good outing from Dylan Bundy Dylan Bundy has been quietly actually very effective at getting his five innings in with two or fewer runs over the last five or six starts which is encouraging I suppose out of your fourth or fifth starter I I guess right I mean the five innings thing is always going to be a little bit frustrating but I did want to make a note too and this sounds like such a sore loser thing to say so I don't even like to say it but my goodness the twins hit some balls very hard this series just at the exact wrong spot and it's not like oh they were shifted just perfectly it's like no there happened to be guy at first right in game three and Polanco hit a hit a screamer down the line but because the first baseman was closer to the bag he was able to snag it it's like there were several instances of that happening in this series quite frustrating playing a team of the Astros caliber they really did actually have quality at bats they worked the count um, but in the end the Astros are just too dang good I think it's yeah it's a little bit discouraging that even if somehow if the twins do make a run now and they still make the postseason that either of the teams that you're potentially going to go up against at some point really just seem to have the twins number well there was a couple other plays here David specifically Tim Beckham making an appearance in left field David where let's let's just say the twins must be so low on outfielders now that they're having to force to put a, a guy who's been not playing well he's batting under 100 and he's still on this roster David and then he makes a play like he did in the outfield so that's under the Sano line right is that what we I, yeah, well under the Sano line. We're going to have to... We didn't, I can't even name it, though, the Beckham line, because I feel too bad that he's even playing. Like, this guy should be back at AAA if the Twins had anybody else. Yeah, and so this is a little bit funny, because if you look at the box score, and if you watch this game, you would think that there should be an error credited to Tim Beckham on a misplayed ball that proved to be very costly to the Twins and actually probably led to three of the Astros' runs. Beckham comes in to make a play that looks like a routine fly ball, and he just misjudges it and bounces, like, right in front of him, and it gets to the wall. And the thing is, because of the way that... MLB does things they have this rule that if a player doesn't actually get a glove on the ball they can't be credited with an error which is just stupid so we were talking about this before going live and Dan said oh well that that's a uh, dumb then because Hoag has this whole thing that if a player makes a, a, a mistake in the field but it's not something that's credited as an error we give it a dumb but really that's something that that it's like a bad play that the player makes but in this instance we, I, we would both argue I think that the player should be credited with an error so Dan I deem this a double dumb is what we will call that moving forward. The scorekeepers have so much leeway on some things and then none on this. Like, I feel like they should have the leeway to make a judgment call and say, um, he should have caught that. He was under it for five seconds, it felt like, before the ball landed, so. Yeah, and they should be able to make decisions on wins and losses based on who the best and worst pitchers were in a game. You would think, David, you already won me over on that one. Now we have to win over the scorekeepers.
scorekeepers. I think that's that's the next thing. Well, let's go to game three, a game that the Twins were threatening early. A lot of runs scored in this one. They end up losing this game six to three. They do hold a lead for a half inning here, thanks to Jorge Polanco's first inning home run. But after that, Astros add four in the bottom of the first. The Twins get one back in the second. They could have got more back. But I guess in the end, they were only one for one with runners in scoring position. Here's the thing. Chris Archer, we kind of know what we can expect to get from him. But my goodness, Dan. After your team actually is up, like you mentioned, for once, you gotta just get out of the bottom of the first inning and you give up four runs, Dan. Yeah, that was pretty brutal. He tried to give them as much as he could. He had to give them four innings and he only had the one walk. I didn't feel like he was kind of trying to nibble in the way that he has nibbled in past starts. He just got hit. Uh, eight hits, five earned runs, one walk, two strikeouts. Didn't have his best stuff. They really did need him to be better in this game. All right, let's go into our Puckets Picks winner. Catch him! Puckett's Picks winner. Nobody, Dan, nobody deserves this victory at all. So Danta Correa, who, of course, Dan's faultless logic about going back to Houston, playing somewhere that he's welcomed, uh, Correa had negative two. And then me and my infinite wisdom, I thought Jose Miranda would turn it around. Of course, he scored negative three, which actually worked to my benefit because the listeners took a rise, who was the only one who had positive points of positive five. Yeah, so there the listeners get their 10th win of Puckett's Picks this season. I have 14. David, you've got 15. I still lead in the points scored 201 to 174 to 164. But I tell you, David, the listeners are climbing on you there. When you, when you pick guys who have negative points like that, it closes that gap pretty fast. Who was I supposed to pick? Like, honestly, like I would feel I would feel better about this if I felt that I made like a bad choice on purpose. Like I picked Miranda fully expecting him to be in the hunt, at least. Well, I mean, you could have picked Gio Urshela, Nick Gordon. I think even Max Kepler might have actually been more point more points than Miranda this time. That's a little bit bad luck, though. Let's be honest here. Well, maybe a little bit. By the way, Max Kepler's foot looked okay climbing a wall, trying to kind of give a go at a home run there. His parents gave him some some tips for foot rehab from their dancing days. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, David, I think we should go into Beast versus Bench. Beast versus Bench. Is losing fun? Is losing fun. Slim Pickens, my friend. Slim yeah. Pickens here for the Beast. Who are you going to give it to? I'm actually going to go with Mr. Bundy for his start in game two, where the, he gave the Twins five innings and, you know, they were kind of in the game. Only the two earned runs. I've given the bench to pitchers many times before, so I thought I'm going to... If there's ever a time to give a pitcher the beast, it's got to be this series. Um, you did read his line, right? Like five innings pitched yeah. and two earned yeah. runs. That's the beast moniker in this That's series. That's the best we got for this series. <laughs> I could have given it to Devin Smelter for his two scoreless innings later. I don't know. Like, what am I supposed to do? Uh, it's fair. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Urshela. I mean, he had a decent series. Again, nobody really had a great series by any stretch of the imagination. He had a hit in game one. He had a hit in game two. And then he had two hits in game three. And he didn't leave too many guys on base. And I guess that's the ball that you need to meet currently to get the beast moniker against the Astros. Well, you can't leave a, a lot of guys on base if there aren't any guys on base in front of you. Uh, hey, see, that's, that's one of those, that's the meme, right? Where the guy's pointing <laughs> at his head. Like, you know what? Hey, you can't go over with runners in scoring position if you never have guys in scoring position. So I'm going to go with Bench. I'm actually going to go with your guy, Miranda. I'm kind of surprised you didn't pick Miranda. He had six strikeouts in the three games. He just wasn't the factor. And when you're batting third and fourth in the lineup, he just, no big hit from Miranda. And we, we've kind of gotten used to that. Okay, but Correa went like one for 12. So it's not right. <laughs> he had a well-placed RBI. He had a nice sack fly in game two, David. That was lovely. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to give it to Archer because I think I'm just frustrated with Archer at this point because there's just nothing more there, right? We know what we're going to get out of him. We're not going to get into the sixth inning. It's just never going to happen. But only given four innings and giving up five earned runs, you, you deserve the bench. 
But again, he's the fourth or fifth starter in this team. His ERA is sub five. I mean, I think we were much harder on Matt Shoemaker, deservedly so, than Archer here, right? I hate this. I hate it when we're using earned run average in this way because you can't do that when a pitcher is only pitching two to three innings for each start, Dan. It drives me nuts. Guys don't understand earned run average. That means that, Dan, they're averaging his earned runs spaced out over nine innings. But it doesn't it doesn't matter that much. Like, you have to take into account that these starters aren't going into the game to even get a scoring decision as a pitcher, Dan. See, I read that as, as you put two starts together and back-to-back starts, he gives up about four and a half runs total between the two. Like, that's, that's about where he's at. That's not bad, right? Just cut that in half. And then we've got a four inning and a third outing. And then, you know, like two runs. That's not terrible, right? We'll take Dan, that. This is how you I put feel Cole Sands in the piggyback when, and you're good. When I put together some figures and I send them to someone and they, they, they ask questions and I just know full well that they don't have a clue what these numbers are that I've shown them. I know what ERA is, David. I used to keep my own statistics for things. Well, I, I know how you calculate not, the yes, ERA. No, you may understand how they get that number, but you don't understand how to how to read that knowing what it means in regards to a guy who's only pitched one inning. I know that if you have a pitcher who has a sub-5 ERA, he probably is employed somewhere in Major League Baseball. I know that. If it's yeah, sub-2... Yeah, but not two, as a fifth start. Not as a guy getting a start every fifth day. Again, Matt Shoemaker had an ERA higher than that, and he was he was on the bait. same team. That is terrible evidence. That is terrible <laughs> evidence. It's the same team. Like you're saying, you're saying, oh, he's got a job somewhere. Yeah, with the Twins, the only team that would still have a guy like this on their roster. Dan's talking about this like this is a common occurrence in the majors that they have a fifth starter who goes three and a third every second outing because their ERA is sub five. When most teams are getting that out of their their ninth reliever out of the bullpen, Dan. Fans want an ejection. There it goes. And that was Gardy's gripe. David, I didn't think this is how you're going to get tossed, but but there it goes, <laughs> just like that. Over over a Matt Shoemaker, Chris Archer comment. I I didn't think it was going to be that easy, David. Enough, enough. Uh, let's keep going here. Dan Rocco's rewind. Rocco's rewind. Well, speaking of getting tossed here, David, I knew it was coming. <laughs> the segues, Dan. We are nothing but professional on this show. So. In our text thread, I don't know if you could sense the the frustration that I had about the fifth inning scenarios. So let, let's paint this again. So Jose Altuve gets hit by a pitch by Aaron Sanchez. And I don't know, Altuve kind of looked at him weird or Sanchez maybe said a little bit of something to him. I'm annoyed with Jose Altuve. I rescind my earlier question in the chat whether Jose Altuve is a Hall of Famer down the road because I'm too frustrated with this little man. Anyway. Ooh. so Ooh, well, Short joke starting early, folks. <laughs> I'm just getting going. So here's the frustrating thing. Rocco comes out to calm the pitcher down, right? And just to calm the situation because benches are like, it's like a slow creep of players out to the mound here. And then somehow in this melee, I can't even call it a melee. It wasn't that violent. Rocco is charged with a mound visit because he like nodded to Aaron Sanchez. And, and then the pitching coach, Phil Mackey, comes out, what, a batter or two later? And then they they point out that he actually has to pull Sanchez because you can't have the two mound visits that close together. You can't have two in the same half inning. Is that right, David? Yep, correct. So here's my frustration with the umpires. It's so childish the way that they handled this. This is an awkward situation. And the fact that the the umpire's rationale after the game, because he talked to a pool reporter, he said, well, 
you know, we pointed up to the to the media press box and we had them like take one mound visit off. Like Rocco is supposed to notice that in that moment. Come on, he needs to go over there. He needs to talk to Rocco and say, "Hey, Rocco, just so you know, we charged you with a mound visit there." But he doesn't do that. It's like it's like this weird bait and switch. It's like he was asking for Rocco to get tossed in here or have to make a situation. I was just very frustrated, David, with with the professionalism of the umpires here. You you go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it, to defend the umpires a little bit, I can at least understand that after that initial decision is made, that their hands are a bit tied. And especially if after that second mound visit, if Dusty Baker says anything, what are they going to say? Well, you're right. We're going to break the rules. Or no, we didn't actually mean that first thing that we did when we... So, To defend them a little bit, they were kind of in a situation where they had to follow the rules in that moment because I don't know how you sort of take back that mound visit that they had accredited to Rocco. I agree with you wholeheartedly that Rocco shouldn't have been given a mound visit because I would think that anytime all the players are off on the field, you can't really just start crediting mound visits. And to be devil's advocate here, let's say a manager really wants to talk to his pitcher, but he doesn't have any mound visits left. You could just say, hey, here, let's have a bench clearing brawl so I can just touch base with my pitcher. <laughs> just passes him a note as he walks back out there a little well but here's the thing i think you're a little bit misunderstanding my complaint because my complaint is not that he was charged with a mound visit it's that the umpire didn't make it perfectly clear to rocco that he was like but in that moment though how i guess i just don't know how much is on the umpires there because they could have very well been thinking well no rocco knows that was a mound visit like i again I but that's like a weird the, assumption to make. Like it's a weird situation. You okay? But Umpire, hang on. you make he, you make it sound like Rocco just like waved at the at the, at the pitcher, and that's not the case. Like he was on the mound physically, Dan. But he wasn't like hugging him or anything like Phil Mackey always does. <laughs> is which, that, is by that, the way, is that we, what counts as the mound visit? <laughs> if, the, if the manager hugs the the active pitcher on but the this mound. This is what's funny to me. So every time Phil Mackey goes out there for a visit, because I've started to notice this, Corey Provis points out like which arm he puts on the pitcher's arm too. Like, oh, yep. And there, Phil Mackey's out there. He's got his right arm on Chris Archer's shoulder. He's massaging it a little bit, a little bit lower. You know, like it's always... (laughs) It's weird, like, Corey, don't you have something else to talk about? Anyway, I think I've belabored my point. I think we've presented it better, but I, I'm still frustrated with that. I do give Rocco credit, though, for really milking his uh, yes. his time after getting tossed, because then it gave Cole Sands a chance to actually warm up and pitch a little bit. Yeah, and I do think it's hilarious, though, that Rocco had to pull his starter early for the first time <laughs> when he actually wanted to leave him out there, but he was forced to pull him out. Like, irony, Dan. This is a good example you can give your students who are struggling with the concept. Well, David, what about you? I've talked long enough about Rocco. Your turn. So here's the deal. Rocco made a big deal about this whole players-only meeting that he was in, so it's not really players-only <laughs> like he was talking in it. I don't quite understand. I guess I just wonder, how often does this work? I want to know, like, if there was a way to compile this information, like, in a big spreadsheet, that you had every media reference to a players-only meeting that a team put together, how often is it like, oh my goodness, that team turned it around and now they're going to win the World Series? Like, how often does that actually happen, Dan? Maybe it ha- I'm sure it happened in a movie, David, and it worked. That must be where. Um, it could have been, I guess. I, don't, I guess I just wonder, like, I understand that people want to make a big deal about this. Like, well, now they're serious because they're having a players sure. only meeting. Sure. It's like, what are you going to say? Hey, you guys should play better. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, Why didn't we think of that? So I will say this. As a teacher, I think you have a few times in a school year, maybe, where you can jump in and like have a moment. 
like a reset moment. And I do think in that setting, at least I can speak from that perspective, yes, they can work, but you can't do that every week. So I guess we'll see. The proof will be in the next couple of games because it's not it doesn't get that much easier with the Giants and Red Sox and then, you know, soon the Yankees too. So we will see. If they can play some 500 baseball, which at this point would be an improvement, then maybe. Yeah, maybe it did. All right, let's keep pushing to end Minnesota moment. Minnesota moment. I'm just going to say Polanco's game three homer in the first inning because it gave the Twins a lead and it gave me just a little bit of hope they might actually be able to win a game in this series. I'm going to go with both throwouts, actually, of Altuve at second base. Both of these plays were great, and the fact that it was Altuve who got thrown out just made them all the sweeter. And Correa had a really nice catch. I forget if it was on Altuve, too, but he had this beautiful kind of reach behind himself running out to left field catch. That was pretty cool, too. Yeah, I mean, there were some good defensive plays here. So, And it, it had to be nice for Correa to play in a stadium that wasn't target field and not get booed. I mean, that's got to be a fun feeling. I mean, really, though, if Astros fans had any integrity, they would be booing their team constantly, Dan. Yeah, that's probably true. But then that would allow, that would mean that they would have to, like, give up their World Series celebration in some sense, right? Like, they'd have to be okay with saying, well, maybe we didn't actually deserve that World Series championship. Well, they didn't, though. It's not didn't I know, actually. I know they didn't, but that they have to carry that in their conscience, and we do not. We just have no championships in the last 31 years to carry in our conscience. Well, I think this Korea talk actually transitions well into my, uh, my Maurer's musing. I just don't know how it can get any better. Maurer's musings. David? Carlos Correa is or could be on the books next year with the Twins if he wants to be for $35.1 million, which is a lot of money. My question to you, has he actually earned the mega contract that he would want that would prompt him to opt out of out of this deal? Yeah, no, I understand what you're asking. I think it's tricky because if you only had this season to base this on then no, right? Like nobody would pay him that much money on only this season. However, that's not how it works, right? Like you can't just look at one season in a vacuum. You got to take everything into account. He was due a big deal last off season. To me, this season didn't disprove that he still owed that contract or deserved that contract, even if maybe he didn't perform at that top level. But I do think he probably gets some wiggle room because he's with the twins for some reason. I don't know why, but in my mind, everybody just looks down on the twins. He spoke to the Houston media and he talked about how he could see himself playing in Minnesota for a long time and I don't really want to read too much into that because what else is he going to say you know at this point right Hogs did he ordered his Korea <laughs> jersey he was all excited about it <laughs> he's got the baby blue right he's got the gray road jersey like Hogs has all of the Koreas now I think um I don't know I, I to answer my own question I do think it's a little bit more on the fence now and I I wonder if he would bet on himself and he would stick around and say, you know what, I bet I can get a bigger contract if I wait one more year and I bat closer to my career average. Because he's under his career batting average by about eight points, but he's under his OPS career average by about, what, 30 or 40 or 50 now. So he's not having his best season. I think that that's, that's pretty dang clear. I mean, it would be funny, though. I think we talked about this a little bit. If he just keeps doing these one-year deals for eternity, like he just never signs that big deal. Hey, why not? You know, I'll take that. I would rather have that, right, with a player like him. And at least we're getting him, you know, at least we're getting him for good seasons. We don't have to overpay him for the last five, like like a Robinson Cano contract or something like that. Maybe we just do what we did with Josh Donaldson and we just trade him to the Yankees after he's of no use to us. Why not? Um, Anyway, what is your your musing? So I, I look at these outfielders for the Twins. And, like, it's not starter caliber outfielders, right? Like, who who our options are currently, it's not great. So, my question to you, Dan, is how well do these reserve outfielders need to play for the Twins to stay in it? And I'm, I'm just saying, what's the bare minimum they can do to keep this team in the hunt? I think they need to each have, like, one good game a series just to kind of give the bottom of the lineup a little bit of a, of a pulse. 
because they don't really seem to have that right now. No, like not even like a good game, right? Like just like an MLB <laughs> average game is all we would be looking for. I mean, a couple of hits. I think they just they can't do what they've done. I mean, Jake Cave going over for with four strikeouts like that can't that can't happen. And and honestly, if it doesn't happen, if he gets a hit there at the end, we're, we're talking about the series very differently because then at least maybe it goes into extras and the Twins have a chance. Well, in, the, in extras, the Twins never well. have a chance, Dan. <laughs> but I guess my thought would be in a situation where they just can't strike out, they need to not strike out, and they cannot be a liability in the field. You cannot yeah. be costing this team runs. Just play an average left field. How hard is that? Like, it can't be that hard. I do think, like, Celestino played well enough in this series. He had a hit in game two, a hit in game three. He didn't make any big bonehead plays in the outfield so i think i think celestino is a good example of a guy but he's also really one of the only trained outfielders out there i guess jake cave is too but tim beckham's not nick gordon i guess is a little bit but he's been an infielder most of his minor league career well and we should talk one note on nick gordon there was a play where there was a ball that like normally we say well buxton would have had that no nick gordon should have had this ball hit deep to center but he took a line dan he took a line like my toddler takes a line when i ask her to brush her teeth Right, like like she goes all around the house. That was Nick Gordon in the outfield trying to track that ball down. <laughs> well, Nick Gordon, I think, has maybe played fewer games in center field than your than your daughter has brushed her teeth in her lifetime too. So I think we gotta give Nick a little <laughs> bit of grace here. Fair point. All right, let's go to series grades. This will be quick again. Series grades. We should just skip these ones. Like we should just we should just have one of us say it's an F, move on. <laughs> like don't even have a discussion about it. Okay, well there we go. Let's move on, David. I don't know, Jack. It looked like Herbeck pulled him off the bag. Herbie's Headlines. Dan, I love what you've done here because it's not, it's twins related for Herbie's Headline, but it's not twins related. Like, it's like, we're going to talk about other teams, but really it's about the twins. Oh man, David, when I got the alert, actually, ironically, it was an email from the Colorado Rockies because I've been trying to unsubscribe <laughs> from their ticket list since since I had tickets to them a couple weeks ago. But well, I got still their just like to reflect about the time of, with that grandma. I know it's hard to let it go, Dan. <laughs> well, it's like it's like the time I tried to quit the Javalia Coffee Club. It took me a long time. Um, anyway, so the the baseball schedule for 2023 came out, and David, this always leaves me dreaming because I look at that schedule and in my mind I'm planning all of these summer trips to all these different places. I get so excited, and I was especially excited because this is the first schedule where the Twins play every other other major league team in the same one so this prompts the question to me david what is your dream trip here if you could take any trip on this 2023 twins baseball schedule where would you want to go okay and i should a little bit of a caveat here like dan when he said dream he meant like dream like and i didn't i took it more of like a feasible like Something that I could work in where, like, my child and my my child who will be with us in the near future uh, will actually have care. And it's not just like I can just go for, like, six weeks on a baseball extravaganza. Uh, no. But so I tried to make this realistic, like, if I could choose to make this happen and I could potentially make it happen. So either the New York Yankees and the Boston series, I think that would be a lot of fun. You could spend some time in New York. You could spend some time in Boston. I've been to Boston. Honestly, Boston is such a fun town. Like, people are, I mean, people are Boston right like that's, that's kind of how it is but there's sure. a lot of fun a lot of history there the other option though i've never been to atlanta and i just want to go to the coke plant where they have all the different coke flavors that you can't get at the store like that's really what i want to do in atlanta but so i'd really like to see the braves play and then baltimore so those aren't super far apart i'm sure that that plane ride isn't too bad and so then you could do some of the tourist stuff in dc as well that sounds great david i'm gonna dream bigger than you um... yes i know dan's like well i'm gonna take uh june through <laughs> august uh, every trip i will just travel with the team and i'm gonna to get to be on the same plane that's going to be great 
Well, one thing I'm just as an aside first, this is not the dream trip, but but the Mariners actually host the Twins in July now, uh, as opposed to right at the end of the school year. So I'm excited to get to probably see uh, most of that series in Seattle. Um, so, David, here's where my dream trip would start. It would start in Kansas City on July 28th. Maybe we get in the night before and then we would drive to St. Louis to see the Cardinals stadium. I haven't been to the new stadium there. I've been to the old one. Um, and then I would drive up to Minneapolis to catch the three-game series against the Diamondbacks, which we could record a podcast live in your house. That'd be fun. Perfect. Then we'd, we'd book it to Detroit for a four-game series, and then we'd drive to Philadelphia. And here's what I love about this trip. That I, I have to use up all of my PTO <laughs> for the next four years? Well, here's what I love. They are playing over that stretch teams from four different divisions, which is so rare, right? They play the Central, then the NL Central, then the NL West, and then the AL Central again, and then the NL East. Like, it's just my dream has finally come true here, David, when the schedulers have finally done what I've wanted them to do for some time. At the very least, you think they could have left a few games off the calendar in April in Minnesota. Dear goodness. I know. What was it, 16 games in Minnesota in April? You'd think they'd have a little bit better planning than that. It'll be fine. It's just a little snow. Well, here we go, David. Hopefully, uh, my spring break trips will be able to correspond. See, I'm already planning 2023, David. This is what I love. And there's still a month of baseball here to, to look forward to for the Twins now. Well, looking forward, dreading. It's a hard line. <laughs> <laughs> there's always hope, David. There's just a little bit of hope. All right. Well, David, we need to move forward here to Puckett's Picks. And we'll see you Puckett's Picks. Puckett's picks for the upcoming Giants series. Hoags is actually going to pick for the listeners because I will be out of town this coming weekend. And Hoags is going to take Luisa Rise, which is honestly probably the right choice. Because at this point, no one else can score positive points, it seems, Dan. Well, and that leaves, again, as you pointed out to me, everybody else except Luisa Rise. For you to take, who are you going to go with? I, I don't want to pick anybody. I am going to take Jorge Polanco. That's who I'm going to take. He had a decent series. I love the way that he's standing when he's in the left side of the box. I'm going to take Polanco. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you're thinking outside the box. I, I think I'm just going to stick with Jose Miranda. I rarely get a chance to pick him, so this is my chance. It's just sad, Dan, when we're choosing guys and we're not even sure if they're going to be positive or not. Well, at least we know that they're healthy, right? So at least there's that going for them. All right, David. Well, I think because you are going to be gone on Sunday, I think you ought to send us out here. I hope you and Hoax have a nice time. We will. Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Men for the Win and find our Men for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new episodes are available. And if you could leave us a rating, that'd be great. A reminder that episodes are now available on our YouTube channel. And if you could drop us a like and subscribe, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins!